When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Old radio, old radio, old radio, old radio, old radio. Comedy Podcast. Welcome to episode 36 of season 3 of the Old Radio Comedy Podcast. Meet Corliss Archer was CBS Radio's answer to NBC's A Date with Judy, a show that targeted America's younger listening audience, although both shows also appealed to adults as well. Ironically, it wound up on NBC in 1948, then on ABC from 1952 to 1953, and then back to CBS for its final three years. It starred Priscilla Lyon and Janet Waldo as perky, breathless, bubbly teenager Corliss Archer, Bill Christie and Sam Edwards as her boyfriend Dexter Franklin, and Bob Bailey, Fred Shields, and Frank Martin as her lawyer father, Harry Archer. Her mother, Janet, is played by Irene Tedrow, Monty Margots, and Gloria Holden. The show made it to television, running from 1951 to 1954. Abbott and Costello need no introduction, being one of the most popular comic duos of all time. The radio show for adults was broadcast from 1940 to 1949, and their children's show from 1947 to 1949, although adults often tune in as well. Now sit back and enjoy the episode Corliss Visits New York City for Meet Corliss Archer, and after that, the January 31st, 1948 broadcast of the Abbott and Costello Kids Show, also for adults. Corliss Archer. Last week found the Archers and Dexter still visiting in New York. They've all had a chance to get a little more climated. And as far as Corliss is concerned, although New York has lived up to her most glamorous dreams, she has been experiencing a growing feeling of dissatisfaction. As she put it to her mother and father yesterday at breakfast at their hotel... Of course, it's been wonderful and exciting, and I'll never be able to thank you enough for bringing me here, but I'd hoped that by now I would have met some of New York's glamorous men. Men? Oh, yes. The kind that go to the Stork Club and El Morocco and those places. The older ones. Older men? Yes, around 20. <laughs> or even 21. The glamorous, exciting ones that play polo and get divorced and smoke pipes. <laughs> Any guy that smokes a pipe while playing polo deserves to be divorced. Oh, Daddy, you know what I mean. No, I don't. Do you? Of course I do. Every place we go in New York, theaters, restaurants, concerts, we see these wonderful, sophisticated men. And all I can do is look at them. Well, what do you want to do, marry them? Daddy, don't you see? It's like ordering a luscious double-dip chocolate ice cream soda and trying to drink it with your hands tied behind your back in the store fresh out of straws. Well, now, really, Cordless, aren't you forgetting about Dexter? Dexter? 
Well, yes. I thought he was your double dip ice cream soda. Dexter. In the drugstore of glamour, he's just a short coke. <laughs> oh, no, that's not fair. What's the matter with Dexter? Well, you ought to know. You're always bawling him out for something. Oh, we have our differences, but all in all, I think Dexter's a good, solid kid. Why, you certainly wouldn't call him glamorous, would you? Or breathtakingly handsome, would you? Well, no. As a matter of fact, I've often wondered when he was born, how did the doctor know which end to slap? <laughs> but he's a good kid, and he uh, he's certainly your faithful slave, and I don't think you ought to sell him short. Oh, Dexter's all right, but he doesn't fit in with the glamour of New York. I thought that while I was here, I'd meet at least one playboy. Somebody who was... Oh, come back down to Earth. I've got to run, Janet. I've got an appointment with Mr. Ellis. And uh, you know we're having dinner with him and his wife at 7. Yes, I'll be ready. And you've got the tickets for the children for the opera tonight? Yes. Oh, I wish I didn't have to go to the opera with Dexter. That's such a glamorous place, and there'll be all those glamorous people there. I should be going with a rich, exciting playboy. Well, just for tonight, make-believe Dexter is a rich, exciting playboy. Oh, Dexter, wasn't the opera divine? Wasn't that simply the most glorious, thrilling music you ever heard in your life? And the singing, those voices. I'll take Spike Jones. <laughs> oh, Dexter, really, I don't think that's funny at all. I'm not trying to be funny. I mean it. I thought the whole thing was ridiculous. Ridiculous? The opera? Yeah. That tenor singing that he was going to carry that soprano off to the mountains. Did you get a load of the size of that dame? <laughs> carry her? He couldn't drag her. Well, she'd be better off if she spent less time on that mountain and more time on a Chiron reducing plan. <laughs> You're impossible. That was a beautiful love song. You just haven't got the sensitivity to understand it. The only thing I don't understand is how that tenor could love a dame that fat. <laughs> what a figure. I'm not kidding. I, I got pretty sick of sitting there looking at a pot that big without any flowers in it. <laughs> Dexter, do you have to exaggerate so much? Oh, I knew going to the opera with you was going to be a mistake. You don't belong in an atmosphere like that. Why, you didn't even wear a tuxedo. And all those glamorous men were wearing tails. Yeah? Well, nobody in my family has worn tails since they came down out of a tree. <laughs> That's a crazy idea, wearing tails. Oh, let's not even talk about it. You don't belong in New York. You're too unsophisticated, too unglamorous. The next time I go to the opera, it's going to be with a real New York sophisticate. Uh, what makes you think a guy like that would want to go with you? Oh, so you think I'm not attractive to other men. I didn't say that. All I said well, was... Well, for your information, Dexter Franklin, just about the most handsome man I ever saw in my life looked at me during intermission. So what if he looked at you? It's a free country. I think he smiled at me. Oh, girl, it's the way you... Good evening, Miss Archer. Huh? Enjoy the opera? What? Oh, oh, yes, it was divine. Well, performance, wasn't it? Oh, yes. Well, good night. Good night? Who was that guy? Oh. What's the matter? You look sick. 
Dexter! That was him! Who was who? That man, the one who said hello to me. That was the one that smiled at me during intermission. Who is he? I don't know. Seems to me I've seen him before. I thought so, too. Isn't he just the most luscious thing you ever saw? Well, frankly, no. He's not my type. Maybe he's a movie star. What movie star? I don't know. He sort of looks like Gregory Peck. (laughs) That wasn't Gregory Peck. How do you know? I read that all the stars look different off the screen. Not that different. (laughs) That wasn't Gregory Peck. Well, I know. I've seen him before. I think I have, too. Anyway, what was the idea of him saying hello to you if he doesn't know you? Maybe I should have poked him in the snoot. Dexter, don't be childish. Oh, don't you see how romantic it is? He went to all the trouble to find out my name just so he could say hello to me. Yeah? Well, I'm not sure I like that. I know I've seen him. Or maybe I saw his picture in the papers. Maybe he's a New York stage actor. Or maybe I saw his picture on the society page. I'll bet that's it. I'll bet he's a rich playboy with all the debutantes in New York throwing themselves at his feet. Then his feet must have something he hasn't got because I don't think he's that hot. (laughs) Oh, this is too thrilling. A man like that interested in me. glad to see this hotel again. Believe me, I-, I didn't enjoy that subway ride. Couldn't you talk about anything else except that guy that said hello to you? I'm sure that if I went to the opera with him, he wouldn't take me home in a subway. Oh, holy cow, Corliss, cut it out. How do you suppose it makes me feel to have you all the time talking about how wonderful some other guy is? A guy you don't even know. You know how I feel about you, the way you keep talking well, about... Well, hello again, Miss Archer. Huh? Oh. Oh, yes. Yes, hello again. Look. Wasn't the opera simply divine? Wasn't it just too thrilling? Don't you simply love opera? Wasn't the music glorious? Wasn't that aria just Yes, too... I enjoyed it very much. Well, I'll see you later. Good night, Miss Archer. Oh, golly. Corliss. Golly. Now, look, Corliss. He followed me. He's intrigued. Did you hear what he said? What? He said... I'll see you later. Look, if he's trying to pick you up, I'm going to suck I'll see you later. He found out my name. Now he's found out where I live, and he wants to see me again. Oh, Dexter, it's heaven. It's a dream come true. Oh, stop working yourself into a lather. I'm not in a lather. Oh, you are, too. When we stopped in that drugstore after the opera, what did you have, a malted or a bottle of Fitz shampoo? I just can't tell you how dreamy-looking he is. Speaking of dreams, let's turn in. It's getting late. Oh, Daddy, I couldn't go to sleep now. I'm, I'm too excited. No, Corliss, be sensible. Don't try to make something out of nothing. Nothing? How can you call this nothing? It's romance, intrigue, glamour. We can't fight this thing. It's too big. Oh, now, wait a minute. 
What's too big? Love. Love? Where did that come in? Who said anything about love? Nobody said anything about it. But what the heart knows needn't be said. And what does the heart know? So, Daddy, don't you see? It must be love. Or else, why would he find out who I am and then follow me back here to the hotel instead of staying home and drinking champagne on his polo ponies? This is the craziest polo team I've ever heard of. First, it was a guy who smoked a pipe while playing polo. Now, it's a guy who drinks champagne while playing polo. That polo team sure must have a tough time winning games. Oh, Daddy. How do you know this gent drinks champagne? And how do you know he has polo ponies? All millionaire playboys do. Well, how do you know he's a millionaire playboy? Well, I don't care if he's not a playboy. I don't care if he's just a plain, common, ordinary millionaire. Of course, he couldn't be just a plain, common, ordinary bum. No. How do you know? One senses these things. Does one, really? All I sense is a lot of nonsense going on around here. And where does Dexter fit into this picture? Poor Dexter. Just a piece of flotsam and jetsam on the sea of a great romance, cast adrift by the backwash of a better man. How do you know he's a better man? You don't even know the guy's name. You may never see him again. I will. The stars that guide our destinies can't be that cruel. Well, before you cast old flotsam and jetsam Franklin adrift, you'd better be a little sure of your champagne-swigging horseman. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Daddy, please, don't compare an eagle with an ugly duckling. I tell you, Mr. Rogers, she hasn't stopped talking about the guy all day. It's driving me nuts. Yeah, I know how you feel, Dexter. You can't know, Mr. Archer. You don't know what it's like to be in love. You're married. Well, that doesn't necessarily follow. But uh, let's not go into that now. Well, come on, let's go in. Mrs. Archer and Corliss are waiting up in the room for dinner. Oh, Mr. Archer, don't tell Corliss that I... Mr. Archer. What? There he is. Who? The guy. There he is again. He must be waiting for Corliss. Where? Right over there. That fellow there? Yeah. That's the millionaire playboy? Yeah. <laughs> What's the joke? Don't you know who that is? No, who is it? That's one of the hotel elevator boys. <laughs> I knew I'd seen him before. Well, sure, you just didn't recognize him out of his uniform. He's probably waiting to go on duty. <laughs> oh, boy. Wait till I tell Corliss about this. Uh, oh, wait a minute, Dexter. I've got a better idea. Don't tell Corliss. But, but Mr. No, not yet. Corliss has been treating you pretty badly in this affair. She's been driving me a little nuts, too. And I think we can teach her a lesson. <laughs> Corliss, do you think it's fair to keep Dexter hanging until you find out whether this new romance of yours is going to work out? How do you mean? I mean, if you intend to go ahead with this thing... You ought to make a clean break with Dexter. But, Daddy, I've known Dexter all my life, and he's been so good to me. That's exactly and... what I mean. He deserves a square deal, whether you love him anymore or not. You think I should give him up entirely? I hate to hurt Dexter. Well, that's the only thing to do, Corliss. 
Tell him right now that you and he are through, completely and forever. But what if my new romance doesn't materialize? Then I'll be left high and dry. Well, that's the chance you have to take. Poor Dexter. I hope this doesn't wound him too deeply. <laughs> Golly, you sure have a complicated life when you're a fatally attractive woman. <laughs> Remember, Corliss, you've got to tell Dexter you're giving him up forever. Well, all right, Daddy. The only thing is... Hi, Corliss. Oh, hello, Mr. Archer. Hello, Dexter. Hello, Dexter. I think I'll leave you two alone. Corliss has something to say to you, Dexter. You, uh, have something to say to me? Yes, Dexter. I don't know how I'm... It's funny, because I have something to say to you, too. What? I've decided to give you up. What? Yes, Corliss. It's the only fair thing to do. Uh, but... This new love of yours is obviously bigger than all of us. It's too big. We can't fight it. But you're not supposed to give me up. I'm supposed to give you up. No, no, Corliss. I've seen this thing coming ever since we've been in New York. This uh, smart sophistication is all right for you. But it's not for me. No, I'll go back to our little small town and live out my little unsophisticated life there. As for you, well, I can just picture you in the atmosphere where you really belong. A glass of champagne in one hand, a polo pony in the other. <laughs> Laughing gaily, as you say, yachting anyone? I won't try to keep you from all that. <laughs> Dexter and I have a very nice surprise for you. You like this? What is it? Well, it occurred to me that, after all, we're going home in a few days, and it would be tragic if you and your new love hadn't progressed past exchanging a few hellos. Truly tragic. You two should meet formally before we leave. Then perhaps he could visit us at home occasionally. You know, fly out for a weekend in his own private plane. Uh, but sure, and I'll help entertain him. Oh, Dexter, he wouldn't be interested in the things you're interested in. No, I guess you're right. He seems too high class. I bet he even burps with a broad A. He was in the lobby again today, Corliss, and uh, Dexter very kindly pointed him out to me, so I took the liberty of introducing myself, and I've invited him in for tea this afternoon. Daddy, you're joking. Well, this is too serious no, a matter. No, we're not joking, Corliss. He'll be here pretty soon. Oh, golly, Dexter. You did this just for me. Sure. It's the least a flotsam can do for a jetsam. Oh, oh, you're both wonderful. I'm going to run down to the flower store in the lobby to get a flower for my hair. Okay. Oh, thanks, Daddy. I'll be right back. Oh, and Dexter. Yes, Corliss? Thank you, too. You're a faithful old dear. Well, Mr. Archer, I think it's going to work. Uh, it'll work. <laughs> oh, boy. Just wait till we tell her that her millionaire playboy is nothing but an elevator operator. Well, Miss Archer, buying flowers, I see. Huh? Oh. Oh, hello. We meet sooner than I expected. Oh, yes. 
My, my father told me you were coming to tea. Yes, I was on my way up. I just got through work and I... Work? Well, I call it work. I suppose it's not exactly back-breaking labor. Somehow I can't think of you working, but I suppose your business is very profitable? Well, it has its ups and downs. <laughs> I always say there's nothing like starting on the ground floor and working your way up. <laughs> well, I suppose you don't work very much. After all, you have to have time for your social activities. Oh, the hours aren't bad. I don't have to worry about that. Uh, we have a strong union. Oh, I see. No, CIO. <laughs> oh. Um, just exactly what sort of work do you do? Are you joking, Miss Archer? I'm sure you've seen me at work. Why, well, I thought I had. I... Was it in a movie? Are you kidding? I'm one of the hotel elevator operators. So, that's what we're going to do, Janet. It'll teach Corliss a good lesson. You mean Corliss doesn't know he's an elevator operator? No, she thinks he's a millionaire. Boy, I can't wait to see her face when she finds out. Well, I'm not sure I like this, Harry. Look, Janet, Corliss simply has to learn to stop flying off into these romantic fantasies of hers. Well, perhaps, but I think you're being very cruel. Well, holy cow, I, I wouldn't want to hurt Corliss. You know that. Well, neither would I. But I don't think this is that serious. All I want to do is to get her to start acting a little more sensibly. Me too. Of course, Dexter, if she ever gets too sensible, she'll realize that you're no great catch. <laughs> but uh, that's a chance we have to take. Well, I don't like the whole thing. Well, it's too late now to... Uh... Hi, Daddy. Hello, Mr. Archer. Well, I see you two have met already. Oh, yes. Just now in the flower shop. Uh, may I present my wife? Janet, this is Farley Patterson. How do you do? How do you do? And uh, Dexter Franklin. How do you do? Hi. Won't you sit down? Thank you. Well, I hope you're all enjoying New York. Sure is a great place to spend a vacation. Oh, did you spend your vacations here? I still do. I'm on vacation now. Holy cow! You mean you're still going to school? Yes, I'm. I'm in my junior year at Yale. What? Yale? Why, yes. Yale, huh? Don't you believe it, Corliss. This guy's no millionaire playboy. He's just an elevator jockey. Well, yes, that's right. I'm trying to learn the hotel business. Well, that's very admirable. That's the business I'd like to go into after I graduate. Oh, I see. How did you happen to pick the hotel business? Oh, uh, my father's in the hotel business. You see, my father owns this hotel. What? <laughs> oh, holy cow. You know something, Mr. Archer? What? This guy's our landlord. Harry. Yes, Janet. Huh? Huh? And of course, Corliss, your father and Dexter didn't know that Farley's father owns the hotel. They thought he was just an ordinary elevator operator. That's what I figured they thought. Did it come as much of a surprise to you when Dexter told you the boy was an elevator operator? Oh, no, I already knew that. What? Well, yes, I'd been talking to Farley in the lobby before he came up, and he told me. Oh. Well, then, why didn't you tell your father you knew I figured he was up to one of his schemes, so I just thought I'd turn the tables on him. Oh, that was pretty clever of you. Oh, I'm learning from you, Mom. 
I'm getting to know how to handle men. <laughs> I think you are at that. The tables certainly were turned on your father and Dexter this time. I'll never forget the way they looked when Farley told them his father owns the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. But you didn't seem very surprised. Had you known that, too, before Farley came out? No. And neither had he. What do you mean? His father doesn't own the hotel at all, and he doesn't go to Yale or any of the rest of that stuff. What? No, I just told him to say all those things so that instead of Daddy and Dexter having the laugh on me, I'd have the laugh on them, and Dexter would remain my faithful slave. Corliss, I've tried to teach you about handling men, but from now on, maybe you better start teaching me. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The American Broadcasting Company presents the Abbott and Costello Kids Show, transcribed in Hollywood, with our guest star Norma Jean Nelson, Cookie on the Blondie Show, and featuring the Lou Costello Jr. Youth Foundation Award. Every Saturday morning on this program, some lucky boy or girl received hundreds of dollars with a valuable gift, and the Lou Costello Jr. Youth Foundation Gold Trophy for Good Citizenship. Every boy and girl in the country is eligible for this award. We'll tell you how to win it later on the program. But first, let's have some laughs with our stars, Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Costello, what were you doing down at the ocean this morning? Oh, I bought a boat from a sailor called Captain Epsom. Captain Epsom? Yes. He's an old salt. Oh. <laughs> Costello, what do you want with a boat? You know nothing about the sea. Oh, I know all about the sea, Abbott. And today I'm going to tell the kids a story about Moby Dick. Moby Dick? Yes. And I tell the story all by myself, and I don't need any help from you whatsoever. Why don't you go over to the Tom Brennerman's program and show him what a real old woman looks like? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, never mind. Go ahead. Go, go ahead with the story. Well, okay. Now, Moby Dick was a great big whale, and he was a uh, really... A mammal. A whale is a mammal. Yes, he was a mammal. He, he was not a mammal. His name was Dick. He was a papal. And he had seven kiddles. Now, shut up and let me tell the story. All right, go ahead. Now, Moby Dick was a great big whale, and he lived in the ocean, and he loved to swim. When the water came in, it came up, he'd swim in. And when the water went out, he'd swim out. He swam with the tides. Yes. He, could I have that again? He swam with the tides. Tides. He didn't wear any tides. <laughs> he was so big, he couldn't get a pair of tides on to fit him. Now, nobody could catch Moby Dick. When anybody came after him, he'd squirt water through his nose. No, not no. Spout. Spout. Yeah, spout. Spout. Time you kept your mouth shut. Let me finish the story. Boy, yes. Now, one day, Moby Dick was swimming along, and he passed a shark that was chalking up his cue. See? What kind of shark? Who said that? I did. That's in case you asked. This was a pool shark. <laughs> a pool shark. Now, 
have it. Listen, will you get out of here or I'll bank your head in the side pocket. Now, well, Moby Dick was hungry, so he grabbed a great big clam. Abalone? Yes. So he... What was that? Abalone, abalone. This is no baloney, Abbott. This is the whole truth. <laughs> Who said anything about baloney? You did. I did not. You certainly did. Then what did you say? I said abalone. Yeah, yeah, see? He said it again. No, 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 no. No, you dummy. I said the whale was eating abalone. Where would the whale get baloney in the ocean? <laughs> he was eating a great big clam. Abalone is a clam. Mm-hmm. How do you like that? They're making baloney out of clams now. <laughs> They don't make bologna out of clams. The kind of clam I'm talking about is abalone. A clam is abalone? That's right. How do you like that? One of us is nuts. Abbott, why don't you go baloney up and let me finish my story? Oh, you, you mean clam up. Oh, didn't you just tell me that a clam is abalone? That's right. Well, if you don't shut your clam, I'm going to hit you over the head with that baloney. <laughs> now, Moby Dick was a friendly whale, and he liked to play with the fish, especially the itty-bitty fish. Uh, guppies. Sure. He... What was that? Cuppies. Guppies. Have you never heard of Cuppies? Oh, I listen to Cuppies all the time. Guppies Tavern? Oh, no. <laughs> now, you see... Now, Moby Dick was swimming along one day and he ran into a swordfish and a swordfish lunged at Moby Dick and Moby Dick lunged at the swordfish. What happened? They had lunch together. <laughs> Of course, Moby Dick paid the check. He was a very wealthy whale. He owned drugstores all over the country. Wait a minute. What drugstores does a whale own? Abbott, haven't you ever heard of whale and drugstores? <laughs> now, Moby Dick didn't feel so good, so he went to see the Dr. Fish. Dr. Fish? He was a famous sturgeon. Sturgeon? Sorry, sorry. Yes. When he got to the sturgeon's office, there was a walrus in there having a tooth pulled. Not tooth. Tusk. Yes. He... What? Tusk. Tusk. Yes. Well, tusk, tusk to you, too. <laughs> Now, also in the sturgeon's office was a big fish with band-aids stuck on both sides of his jaw. What was the matter with him? He was plastered to the gills. <laughs> then a quartet of fish came in and started singing. Wait, oh, then, wait a minute. Just a quartet of fish? Oh, sure. What a quartet. First tuna, second tuna, barracuda, and bass. Uh, <laughs> this is ridiculous. What happened to Moby Dick? Oh, uh, it was a very, very sad ending. It was. One day he swam away and nobody ever saw him again. Costello, I'll tell you where he went. Abbott, you keep out of this. I started a story and I'm going to finish it. Now, whales are just like elephants. They have a graveyard where they go to die. No matter where a whale lives, he goes to the whale's graveyard to die. Whales swim thousands of miles from the Pacific Ocean to the Indian Ocean and from the Indian Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean against currents, over reefs, through storms, hurricanes, typhoons, and monsoons. They swim to the whale graveyard. When they get there, they die. They die? Yes, it's the trip that kills them. Your very biggest trouble, small. Here's the happy secret of it all. Look for the silver lining. 
I heard the jokes you were telling with Johnny. I'll tell you what I'd like to do. I'll give you 50 cents if you'll go back to the Blondie show and tell them with your father. Nothing doing. Why? Well, he gave me a dollar to come over here and tell them on your show. Hey, what's going on here, Costello? Uh, oh, hello, Cookie. Where's your father? He's probably home, rehearsing to be funny on the radio, so he sent Cookie over here to try to put try out some of his bum jokes on us. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, Mr. Costello, I'll have you know that my father is a great radio comedian, and he comes from a famous family. Why, his grandfather chased the Indians out of Pennsylvania. What program was he on? <laughs> now, Costello, you stop picking on Cookie. She's proud of her family tree. I'll never forget the time you looked up your family tree. What happened? He got hit on the head with a coconut. <laughs> Costello, is your family famous for anything? Oh, sure. Why, my little nephew Bobby in Patterson, New Jersey, he has three feet. Costello, how do you know? How do you know he has three feet? Well, I got a letter from my sister yesterday. She said, Dear Lou, you should see the baby now. He's grown another foot. I... Ah, <laughs> oh, never mind that, Costello. Cookie. 
I saw Dagwood this morning, and he told me you were going to the dentist today. Did you go? Oh, I don't like to go to the dentist. Well, I don't blame you, Cookie. Well, I haven't been to the dentist since I was ten years old. Abbott, don't tell me you made those plates yourself. I... <laughs> Mr. Costello, do you like to go to the dentist? Oh, sure, Cookie. You see, when I was your age, I had so many wires on my front teeth, people thought I was trying to swallow a birdcage. <laughs> Did your teeth really look like a birdcage? They must have. Every night when I went to bed, the canary used to sleep in my mouth. <laughs> Cookie Costello's right. All kids should go to the dentist. Uh, what's wrong with your teeth, Cookie? Oh, I hurt them eating animal crackers. Why, they're little soft cookies. Animal crackers couldn't hurt your teeth. Well, the kind I ate were dog biscuits. <laughs> well, Cookie, when you got a toothache, there's two things you can do. Stay home and suffer, or go to the dentist's office and suffer. Do you brush your teeth, Mr. Costello? Oh, Cookie, that's the first thing my mother taught us kids to do. Yeah, and there were nine kids in Costello's family. Sure. Did they all brush their teeth? Oh, sure. It was a pretty sight in the morning. All nine of us kids used to rush to the bathroom to see who would get first crack at the toothbrush. <laughs> I saw Mr. Abbott's wife at the dentist's office. Yes, I sent my wife to the dentist every day, Cookie. Why? Because the dentist is the only man in the world that can tell Abbott's wife to shut her big mouth and get away with it. <laughs> Costello, my wife's mouth is not that big. Not big? I've seen bears crawling out of smaller holes. <laughs> Mr. Costello, I'll go to the dentist if you'll go with me. Oh, nothing doing. Last time I went there to the dentist, he put six drills and a lot of other tools in my mouth. And then at six o'clock, the whistle blew. What happened? He hung a red lantern on my nose and went home. <laughs> oh, enough of this nonsense. Uh, Cookie, wouldn't you like to sing a song for the kids? Oh, sure. Oh, good. You want uh, Costello to help you? No, I think Cookie's going to sing the song all, all by herself. herself. All yes. right, go ahead. She's got a very pretty voice, and I want you to get a load of this. Okay, Cookie, here we go. Music, please. Hang on to your seats, kids. Here we go. An apple pan dowdy makes your eyes light up. Your tummy say howdy. Shoe flies high. An apple pan dowdy. I never get enough of that wonderful stuff. Shoe flies high. An apple pan dowdy makes the sun come out. When heavens are cloudy. An apple pan dowdy. I never get enough of that wonderful stuff. Mama, when you bake, oh mama. I don't want cake, mama, for my sake. Go to the oven and bake some very loving shoe fly pie. An apple pan dowdy makes your eyes light up. You tell me, say, howdy, shoe fly pie. An apple pan dowdy, I never get enough of that wonderful shoe, 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 shoe fly pie. Good. Thank you, Cookie Bumstead. Uh, I mean, uh, Norma Jean Nelson. <laughs> ah, Norma Jean, that was really swell. And I'm sure our kid audience is happy that you came over here this morning. Well, I gotta go home now and help my daddy make the sandwich. Well, here's a little something to put between the bread. What is it? Well, for Dagwood, it's just a mouthful. It's a 20-pound Wilson ham. Bring out the ham. There it is. 
dandy. Oh, gee, thanks, Mr. Costello. But before I go, I'd like to say something serious. I'm glad to do my part in helping both you and Mr. Abbott in the wonderful work you are doing for the kids all over America. The Lou Costello Jr. Youth Foundation is the kind of thing there should be more of. Goodbye, kids. I'll be seeing you on the Blondie Show. And now for our quiz game, Bubble or Nothing. We have eight kids on the stage, chosen from the studio audience. They're all chewing bubble gum. The kid who blows the bubble, the biggest bubble in ten seconds gets a special prize. Every kid who blows a bubble gets to be a contestant. Those who don't blow bubbles get nothing. So well, let's go with bubble or nothing. Well, the contestants are chewing their bubble gum. Now on the count of three, the gong will ring and they will start blowing. Are you ready, kids? One, two, three. Now come on, blow the bubble. Well, they're the off. Big bubble there they now. go. Come on, 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 you want a beautiful wall aquarium with real live tropical fish from the photo aquarium company in Inglewood, California. Now, all you do is put it up on a wall and it lights up, honey. That's for you. Take it away. Yeah. Now for the boy. So, uh, let's see. The boy's over here. Now, you uh, also blew the biggest uh, bubble for the boys. You win this swell table model radio from the Burbank Appliance Company in Burbank, California. That's for you. Take it home and put it by your bed. Play it all along. And now, here is contestant number one in the Bubble or Nothing contest. Little girl, what is your name? Jeannie Allison. Jeannie, how old are you? Uh, six. Ninety-seven. Seven. Well, you just aged another year. Um, where are you from, Jeannie? Where are you from? Good old California. 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 Now, now, Jeannie, is there any subject you'd like to talk about at all? Anything at all? What no. Nothing at all? What about animal noises? There's a good subject. All right, how about animal noises? Yeah. You want to talk about animal noises? Now, answer this. What kind of an animal goes... Moo. Well, now, don't be a coward. A cow. Cow, oh, right. right. You get a prize, honey. Right over to Mr. Rabbit, and you get the prize here. And a sweet girl deserves the sweet prize. So we're giving you a whole year's supply of Peter Paul's Walnettos. And you get one month's supply now, and every month for a whole year, you'll receive another carton of Peter Paul's Walnettos. And that's not all. Kids, this little girl is going to give every kid in the audience a package of Walnettos after the program. And I know the little boy's name is Lloyd because it's right on him. Lloyd, how old are you? Eight. Eight years old. Where are you from, Lloyd? Los Angeles, California. Good. Glad to see. Now, listen, uh, Lloyd, is there any particular, anything at all you'd like to talk about? Anything you're pretty smart at? Yes, arithmetic. You're smart at arithmetic? All right. If Abbott had one apple and I took it away from him, how many would he have? Nothing. That's right. You win. Yes, sir. You win, Lloyd. Right over to your right there. Wow, look at this. (laughs) Look what you've got. Three swell Billy the Kid embroidered western shirts and two pair of Billy the Kid western pants. Really, I'll pick them up. All right, and here's contestant number three over here, sweetheart. And uh, what is your name? Cameron Larson. Good. Where are you from? Bishford, South Dakota. From South Dakota. Well, that's wonderful. We're glad to have you in this lovely climate of California right now, sweetie. Now, what would you like to talk about, honey, Kay? Anything at all? What would you like to talk about? 
could you tell me uh, anything about movies? You want to talk about moving pictures? Hmm? What's the last picture you saw? Did you ever see Abbott and Costello in a motion picture? You never did. Well, say, hey, you, better start, you better start. Some... How old did you say you were, Kay? How old did you say you were? How old are you, honey? Five years old. Five years old. Uh, where, you're from South Dakota? She should know about horses. All right, blue. where's North Dakota? Is that near South Dakota? Is that near South Dakota, Kay? Well, don't shake your head, honey. Just say yes or no. Yes? Yes. Thank yes, you. You win. Up for here's a beautiful, genuine fur muff and tam set for I.J. Fox, the world's largest furriers. What's your name, Sonny? Freddie. Freddie, where are you from, Freddie? Chicago. Chicago, Illinois. Oh Freddie, I'm going to ask you one question. Uh, who's buried in Grant's tomb? No. No help from the audience. No who's buried in Grant's tomb? Grant. Grant. That's Grant. right, you win. Six prizes in one. Two pair of street tog longies, two pair of street tog, street tog uh, jodhpurs, and two pair of boxer shorts. How do you like that? There they are. Take them away with you. Well, here's our next contestant over here. I know your name is Jill. Sweetheart, how old are you? Uh, six and a half. Six and a half. Good. Now, where are you from, Jill? New York. New York City. Good. That's fine. You know, it's very, very cold in New York right now, yeah. Jill. Now, Jill, would you like to talk about fairy tales? Yeah. All right. One day, Little Red Riding Hood went for a walk in the woods. Who was she going to see? Her grandmother. Oh, That's right. right. Now, when she got to her grandmother's house, who did she see? The wolf. Right. Whoa. You win. Wait, wait. Uh, Mr. Rabbit, Jill, Mr. Rabbit's going to give you a very lovely prize, but I got something here for you. Have you got your mother with you today? Yeah. You really have? Yeah. Well, listen. If your mother's really here, here's a present for her. I want you to give her six gorgeous pairs of Canon 51-gauge nylon stockings made by the makers of the famous Canon towels and sheets. That's a present from you to your mom. Now, Mr. Rabbit... Mr. Rabbit has a present for you over on your right. Go over and get Mr. Rabbit's present. Beautiful quilted house coat from Eastern Columbia Broadway at night. Oh. Now, wait a minute. And you also win this famous Hollywood star stamp album, autog autographed by Lou and myself personally, and a set of movie star stamps to start your collection. And each kid in the audience gets a set of movie star stamps. How's that? You like it, honey? <laughs> okay, son, you're the next contestant. Now, how old are you? Six and a half. Six and a half, too. How, uh, what's your name? John Kimberly. John, where are you from? Where are you from, John? Uh, uh, Los Angeles? Right up, John. Uh, Don't be afraid. Where, where from? Chicago? Where? Well, you know where you're from? Detroit. Oh, Detroit. Detroit. Well, that's good. Now, uh, would you like to talk about rivers? What state was named after the Ohio River? Ohio. Cleveland. Not Cleveland. <laughs> no, not Cleveland. What state? was named after the Ohio River. Oh, 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 oh. Ohio. 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 Ohio is Ohio. right. Ohio. He wins. Hold on a second. Uh, you win this pedigreed ideal cocker spaniel puppy. Where is it? And to feed it, we will send you a six-month supply of Wilson's ideal dog food. Seven-course meal ideal for your dog. How do you like it, Jeff? What's your name, dear? June Scarborough. June Scarborough. June, where are you from? Jacksonville, Florida. Would you like to talk about arithmetic? Hmm? Okay. All right. If I had ten bananas and ate seven of them and threw the peelings on the sidewalk, how many people would slip on the banana peels? <laughs> uh -huh. That's slower. All right. If I had ten bananas and ate seven of them and threw the peelings on the sidewalk, how many people would slip the, on the banana peels? Seven. Uh, the answer is five. Is that right? 
I think you're right. Go ahead. I'm going to give it to you. You're right. Seven is right. <laughs> Wait a minute. You also get a whole year's supply of delicious Peter Paul's Walnettos. Boy, you're going to be popular now. That's all for you, honey. A whole year's supply. Wilton Clark. Wilton Clark. Uh, where are you from, Wilton? East Los Angeles. East Los Angeles. Good. We're going to talk about birds. Now, I've been getting them for years, but we're going to talk about them. Which is the biggest, a robin, a sparrow, a crow, or a hummingbird? You don't have to crow about it, either. Crow. Crow, right, you're right. right. You're right. And you when you talk to crow, you get the swell lake placid ski suit with a plaid wool zipper jacket and, and warm wool trousers made by Sandest. Well, kids, how did you like? Bubble or nothing? present the Lou Costello Jr. Youth Foundation Award. The award this week goes to eight-year-old William Robinson Jr. of Cranston, Rhode Island. And folks, the foundation received more mail on this boy than any other winner of the award to date. Over 300 letters and newspaper clippings were sent in calling our attention to William Robinson Jr. Well, Lou, I think that should be proof enough that the kid is entitled to the award. I saw his picture in one of the newspapers sent in. They seem such a little guy to have done anything big. Johnny, them little guys are sometimes a lot bigger than they look from the outside. And that's the kind of a guy William Robinson is. Kids, he's just eight years old, motherless, and lives alone with his dad in Cranston, Rhode Island. And, uh, well, Lou, you tell the kid the story about it. Well, kids, I guess you all read in the papers about the big snowstorms back in the east. Well, on December 26th, the day after Christmas, Rhode Island was in the grip of a terrific snowstorm. Out in Cranston, Rhode Island, the drifts were five and six feet deep. On the morning of this big storm, in a little house on the edge of the town, a man was suffering from a severe heart attack. William. 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 Here I am, Dad. Dad. Dad, what's the matter? William, it's my heart. This time it's worse than ever. I'll run for the doctor, Dad. I'll get him here right away. I'll put on my clothes and be back with the doctor. No, no, you can't go out of the house. The snow's too deep. A little boy like you couldn't possibly get to town. But, Dad... I'll be all right. You stay here. Dad, I'm going for the doctor. I'll make it. Now, it's nearly a mile to town, William. You can't get through. Don't try it, William. You're too little. I gotta go, Dad. You need a doctor. I'll make it. William. William, come back. You can't get through that snow, William. Did he get through, Mr. Costello? Did he make it? Johnny, little William Robinson battled those snowdrifts for three quarters of a mile. He made the edge of the town. The doctor's house was nearly a mile further on. William was exhausted. He was covered with snow from head to foot. He dragged himself to the nearest house. Robinson, what are you doing out in a day like this? Look at you, you're soaked to the skin. I'll tell your father about this. Mr. Kirby, Mr. Kirby, my dad, my dad's got a bad heart attack. Please, please call the doctor. Holy mackerel, the kid fainted. Ma, quick, phone the doctor and tell him to get out to Robinson's place right away and then come here and help me get this kid straightened out. He's in a bad way. Well, they ought to have a phone in that house living way out there.
Mr. Costello. I'll bet that kid got sick all right. I get the sniffles just from getting my feet wet. Yes, Johnny. William was laid up for a long time. Recovering from that hike through snowdrifts. But he got the doctor there in time to save his dad's life. Yes, Lou. And his kids like William Robinson. And there's millions of them in this country that make me proud that we started this kid show. It's a real thrill to be able to bring these boys and girls to the attention of the whole country. That goes for me too, bud. And now, Johnny, what have you got to say about it? Well, Mr. Costello, there's no doubt about it. William is sure a winner. What do you kids think? Well, that does it, Johnny. Our jury is convinced. Go ahead and make the award. To William Robinson, Jr. goes this week's Lou Costello, Jr. Youth Foundation Award. And here are your prizes. First, a beautiful Gruen wristwatch. This is a solid gold 17 dual Gruen. Engraved from Bud and Lou. And a gold ever sharp pen and pencil set. And a Packard Bell three-way portable radio, made by the makers of the famous Packard Bell Phonacord. And a bicycle that will make you the head man on your block. It's a Schwinn Deluxe Built Bicycle, the world's finest. And here for you are footballs, basketballs, softballs, and tennis balls, made by the Pennsylvania Rubber Company, makers of the world's finest sporting equipment. And to you, William Robinson, Jr., goes the Lou Costello, Jr. Youth Foundation Gold Trophy for Good Citizenship. This is a beautiful engraved gold trophy made by the Dodge Incorporated, largest manufacturer of trophies in the world. Lou, uh, how about William's dad? William, we've got a gift for you to give to that dad that you love so much. It's a beautiful grown precision wristwatch engraved from you to your dad. And we hope he gets well real quick. to boy or girl for a civic good deed. You, the listeners, will nominate this boy or girl of the week. Anyone can write a letter nominating a boy or girl. Just write to Abbott and Costello, Hollywood, California. Simply tell a story of an outstanding good deed or act of heroism by a boy or girl 16 years of age or younger. All letters become the property of the Lou Costello Jr. Youth Foundation. It will be judged by its board of directors and the judge's decisions will be final. The award will be made each Saturday morning on the Abbott and Costello Kids Show. Be sure to listen. The winner may be your kid or the kid next door. Well, boys and girls, that's all for today. And kids, be sure and listen in next Saturday when we have two guests, really two guest stars, that great cowboy star Tim Holt and his dad, Jack Holt. Well, so long, kids, till next Saturday. Be sure to tune in next time, my friends, for another classic comedy radio show. I'm Greg Fordyce. Thanks for listening. Thanks.